Once again, very pleasant good evening to everyone. We'll begin by speaking about some very special and great things that is mentioned in our New Testaments. We know that uh, Jesus is considered a very great person. In fact, Gabriel, as uh, he came and spoke to uh, Mary, uh, said in Luke 1, 32 and 33, that he shall be great and he shall be called the Son of the Most High. And just a casual observance of the life of Jesus on earth and everything that we know about him shows us that he's great. His teaching was great when he got through with the Sermon on the Mount. It says in Matthew 7, 28 and 29, that people were astonished at his teaching because he spoke with such authority and such a connection to things which are real and right. Absolutely the wonders and the miracles that Jesus did from turning water to wine to walking on the water to the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead and even predicting his own resurrection uh, caused us to consider Jesus great. The fortitude and strength that Jesus uh, used to go to the cross and suffer in our behalf uh, is something else to behold. He is great. He is great. And the very fact that he claimed to be and proved to be the Son of God in so many different ways uh, shows us again and again that what, what the angel Gabriel said to Mary was so very true. He shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Most High. Not only is Jesus great, but also there is what we sometimes call the Great Commandment. That Jesus gave in Matthew 22, uh, 37 and 39, where he said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and soul and strength and might. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. If all of us would approach worship with the great commandment in man, then uh, how much we would benefit from worship. And then there is what we sometimes call the great commission. And we know it from several different places, like Matthew 28, beginning in verse 18, where Jesus says, All authority has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. This evening I want us to study uh, briefly together the great invitation of Jesus. The great invitation of Jesus found in two places. First in Matthew chapter 11 and verse uh, 28. And you recall these words of Jesus where he said, Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. He says in verse 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Another place where the great invitation is found is Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22. 
And this is toward the end of our Bibles, verse 17, Revelation twenty-two seventeen, And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And he that heareth, let him say, Come. And he that is athirst, let him come. He that will, let him take the water of life freely. And so a few observations this evening on the great uh, invitation. First, I want us to notice uh, some things that are just naturally understood about uh, Jesus' invitation. Some things that are just naturally understood. Sometimes we call these implications. But these are things which are just naturally understood. Uh, For example, two months from right now is Christmas. Isn't that great? Two months right now is Christmas. That, that's wonderful. I had almost let that slip up on me, except that Brenda Fletcher texted me today and said, Merry Christmas two months early. And I'm so thankful that she did that because that got my mind to thinking about Christmas once again. And, and if it's Christmas, then naturally you're going to have peppermint hot chocolate, right? You just naturally have peppermint hot chocolate at Christmas. Naturally you're going to have... Some, some good old baked ham. You're going to have some, some pecan pie. And if my mom's listening, I'm sending out some signals to you tonight. Uh, some fried apple uh, pies. It just naturally, it's naturally understood that if it's Christmas, those things are going to occur. Well, with the great invitation, there are some things that are just naturally understood. Uh, for example... Uh, it is just naturally understood that God is ready and willing to forgive us when we come to Him. Just naturally understood. In Isaiah chapter 55 and verse uh, 7, there's a statement made there about God that He uh, abundantly pardons people. He abundantly pardons uh, people. And that's a tremendous thought as, as well. And then over in Nehemiah chapter 9, you might want to look at this with me. Nehemiah chapter 9, and looking down to um, verse 17, the writer here is um, summarizing and reviewing how that their fathers of old in the wilderness refused to obey God and keep the commandments, and they hardened their neck, hardened their hearts in their rebellion. But then notice the latter part of Nehemiah 9 and 17. But thou art a God ready to pardon. Thou art a God ready to pardon. Gracious and merciful. Slow to anger. And abundant in loving kindness. And you did not forsake them. You did not forsake them. And so implied in the great invitation is the fact that God, the Lord Jesus is so ready to abundantly pardon us. He, he loves uh, to hear uh, from us. There's no need for us to make grimaces on our faces. There's no need for us to twist our bodies in some way or another to beg the Lord for forgiveness. Uh, there's no reason for us to jump up and down or to have exorbitant uh, beggings before God. No, He is ready to forgive. All we have to do is humbly submit uh, to His his will. So that's one thing that's just naturally uh, understood. You know, 
Another thing that's just naturally understood about the great invitation uh, is that man has gone astray. Jesus said, come unto me. And the Lord says, uh, come unto me. Uh, the spirit and the bride say, come. That, that implies that man has gone astray. Uh, Isaiah 53 and verse 6 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Ecclesiastes 7 29 says, God has made us in an upright condition, but man has sought out many inventions. Man has sought out many schemes. In other words, he has sought other directions other uh, than God. And so it's just naturally understood that when Christ invites us, that means that we're, we're astray, we're away from him. Uh, where we grew up there in, in um, right outside of Jasper, we had a um, very blessed, really, my brother and I. Uh, my sister, uh, she would just stay inside. Well, my brother and I, we relished being outside. We had a, some woods out back, and on the other side of those woods was, was a graveyard, and we would love to go out there in the afternoon and break through to the graveyard and just play and play and play and play. Well, along about uh, dark and supper time, my mother would yell a blood-curdling yell, but we could hear her uh, 400 yards away across those woods. But the reason that she had to say, come home or supper is ready, whatever she would say, uh, is because we were away from her. We were away. And so the great invitation uh, implies, it is just naturally understood, that man has gone astray but also we understand that another thing understood in the great invitation is that man can come and must come back to God he can come and he must come uh, back to God and he'll be blessed if he comes Hebrews 11 verse 6 ties into this where um, the inspired writer says that without faith it is impossible to be well-pleasing unto God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek after him. We can come. Uh, Jesus uh, labored over the idea. If you look in John 5 and verse 40. Uh, he was... Um, he was letting it be known to the Jewish audience. Uh, he says, you will not come to me so that you may have life. And that was sad on their part. It was sad to even recognize that they had the tremendous opportunity to come to the very Son of God. But they would not come, John 5 verse 40, uh, that they may have life. It's not that they could not come. It's that they would not come. And if they would come, they would certainly be blessed. Can you imagine a, a parent or an older brother or sister? I guess you could imagine an older brother or sister. But can you imagine a mom or dad having something really good to eat for their toddler and they hold it over them just out of reach? Maybe it's a shiny apple. Maybe their, their toddler is... is uh, really hungry, can you imagine a mom and dad just holding that just out of reach and, and never allowing that child uh, to have that shiny uh, good apple? Uh, God is not like that. God, 
God does not tantalize. God does not tease. God does not torment. God does not, uh, he does not disappoint. If we come to him, uh, we will find rest. If we come to him, we will uh, be blessed. And that, that takes us to our next major idea, and that is, um, what are some benefits? What are some benefits of uh, coming to God? What are some benefits of coming uh, to God? One thing is, uh, according to Revelation 22 and verse 17, um, our, our thirst will be quenched. Our thirst will be quenched. He that is a thirst, let him come. And I take that to mean that God promises that he will meet every need that we have. That's certainly what Paul mentions in Philippians 4 and verse 19 when he said, and I believe what Paul is doing there is he had just thanked them for their very abundant and generous contribution they had sent his way. And he said this particular church in Philippi had, had once and again uh, sent to his need. And so he, he, he had thanked them for their generosity. And then he said this to them, Philippians 4.19. He said, my God shall supply your every need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And that is something for us to bank on that. That, notice the standard that Paul uses there. He doesn't use the standard of man whatsoever. He says, my God shall supply your every need according to his riches in glory. The very fact that God dwells in glory and is, and is preparing us a mansion up there with him proves that he'll take care of every need that we have uh, in this life. And so one benefit is that our thirst will be quenched. Another benefit is, is spiritual life. Life. Notice again what Jesus said in John 5 and verse 40. You will not come to me that you may have, have life. Life. We know that by reading Ephesians 2 and other uh, type chapters that uh, when we are in sin and have not been forgiven, we are dead in sin. We are dead in our trespasses and sin. But thanks be to God that when we obey Christ, He brings us a spiritual life. Just like we read in Romans 6, 3 and 4, know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Christ, were baptized into His death. Therefore, we are buried with Him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. One of the great benefits of coming to Christ is that beyond joy, and really the peace that passes understanding, the, the life that we get, no matter what our circumstance is, we can enjoy true life. Jesus said in John 10 and verse 10, uh, I am come that you may have life and have that uh, even more abundantly. And notice this, mark this in your Bible. Uh, 1 John 3 and verse 14. 1 John 3, 14. John is known to use the word know quite a bit. You know that about John. He says there in 1 John 3, 14, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. 
Now let's put a couple of thoughts here together. If we want to continue to, to enjoy spiritual life, first we must obey God fundamentally, like we were reading in Romans 6, 3, and 4. But also, one of the great expectations that God has of us as we come into Christ is to learn to love like the Heavenly Father loves. And so thus you have the statement from John there in 1 John three fourteen. We know we have passed from death to life, from spiritual death to spiritual life, because we love the brethren. Isn't this similar to what Peter writes in 1 Peter 1, 22, seeing then that you have purified your souls in your obedience to the truth unto unfeigned, unto sincere love of the brethren. That is something that is just to be automatic. It is something that that we are to teach our children as we are leading them to Christ. That is something that we are to teach our friends and neighbors that as we come to Christ, we are to be understanding love because as we come into Christ, then that, that is to be an automatic um, takeover of our heart, if you will. We are to automatically take on the love of Christ. And so a great benefit, great, great benefit of coming to Christ is the love uh, that we can have uh, with him. And then another great benefit is the rest, the rest that Jesus promises, the rest, the rest from sin. Can you imagine? The world is struggling with sin. Sometimes we do. But the promise of Jesus is we can have rest from this sin. Notice this uh, carefully with me. We can have rest from the power of sin. You see, according to Jesus' words in John 8, uh, 34, whoever continues to sin becomes a bondservant of sin. But the wonderful news there, if you back up to just John 8, 32, if we know the truth, then in continuing his word, and we know the truth, the truth can set us free. See? And Paul follows up on that in Romans 6, 17 and 18. Being, being then made free from sin, you have become the servants of righteousness. But we can be free from sin. And so we can have rest from the power of sin and enjoy uh, freedom. We also can have rest from the pollution of sin. Because sin destroys everything it touches. Everything. There's nothing good about sin. Satan tries to make it look good. He tries to make it taste good. He tries to turn our attention on ourselves. There is not one good thing about sin. Coming to Jesus can deliver us from the pollution of sin. Notice Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1. He says... Uh, having therefore these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from all the filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the sight of God. And so being delivered from the pollution of sin, uh, therefore we can have cleansing. Isn't it? This is the best blessings ever to be able to have freedom and then cleansing. And then notice it carefully also. Uh, 
Jesus can give us rest from the penalty of sin. From the penalty of sin. Because Romans 6.23 still says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life uh, through uh, Jesus Christ. A free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus. And so Jesus can deliver us from that penalty of, of, of sin, which is death. But he can give us life, as we just noticed a moment ago. And then we can have rest from the presence of sin. This is incredible. Because this is exactly what is promised by Jesus in Revelation 21, 27, when, he, when we have this discussion, this, this description of heaven. In that heavenly city, check it out, there will be no uncleanness. There will be nothing false there. Nothing false. No lies. Okay. No hint of lies. Nothing detestable there. The only people that will be there will, are those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Revelation 21, 27. So notice this incredible benefit of coming to Christ. And that is, we can have rest from the power of sin, the pollution of sin, from the penalty of sin itself, and from the presence of sin. And that translates into having freedom, uh, cleansing, spiritual life, and finally, heaven above. So what great benefits there are uh, to coming uh, to Christ. Let me quickly remind us of another benefit, and that is to be able to learn about Him. That's the promise of Jesus and in uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30, he says, you know, come unto me and, and learn of me. Take my yoke upon you and, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. I go back to that passage we mentioned this morning, Isaiah 2, verse 3. That's really an invitation as well. He said, you know, let us come, let us go up to the, to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. And he shall teach us of his ways, and we shall walk in his path. The inclination of of mankind, of all of us, is to do our own thing. We just, you know, we want to do our own thing. That's what they did in in the times of the judges, Judges 21, 25. Every man did that which was right in his own sight. But uh, we need the Lord. Jeremiah 10, 23 says, um, The way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own, own steps. We need the Lord. And what a blessing it is to learn of the Lord. We cannot overemphasize the need for, for Bible study. We cannot overemphasize the need for Bible classes. You know, we mentioned this morning, 1 Timothy 3 and verse 15, how that Paul wanted Timothy to, to learn to behave himself in the house of God which is the church of the living God. Uh, and it says, It is the pillar and the ground of the truth. The pillar and ground of the truth. And so first we wanted to see some things just naturally understood by the great invitation. And then secondly, notice some benefits of coming to Christ. And thirdly, I want us to notice, or maybe just ask the question, who is ready to receive the invitation? Who is ready Well, by reading these invitations from the Lord, we can see this. Those who are are thirsty 
they're ready to come. Those who are hunger and thirst after righteousness, Matthew 5, verse 6, uh, those are the people ready to come. Those who have the good and honest heart and really seek the Lord, Luke 8, verse 15, those are folks who are ready to come. There really is no substitute for this. Uh, in sports, uh, they always say there's no substitute for speed. And that's so true whether you're talking about football, basketball, baseball. There's no substitute for speed. In religion, in the religion of Christ, there is no substitute for hungering and thirsting after the Lord. And, and the, the big question is, how do we, how do we create that? You know, it just has to, be play, has to be present in a person's mind. Another thing is, that goes along with that, those who are ready to receive the invitation, uh, they see their need for the Lord. They see their need for the Lord. Look at Jesus' words in Matthew eleven uh, twenty five. This is really a prayer of thanksgiving, Matthew eleven twenty five. This is right before uh, Jesus' great uh, invitation statement there, Matthew eleven and um, twenty eight. But notice there in Matthew eleven twenty five, Jesus said, "I thank the heavenly Father that He has hidden these things from the wise and prudent." And he has revealed them unto babes. Folks, that is a great prayer. Great prayer. What does he mean, hidden these things? Well, there are some who look at themselves as so wise and understanding and prudent that they cannot see their need for God. And what it's teaching there, what Jesus is teaching there is that God will not force himself upon people. God will allow such people to remain in their blindness blindness, if that's what they so choose. But Jesus was thanking the Lord that there were some who were babes. There are some who see their need for the Lord. And these are the ones that Jesus spoke of in Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. Blessed are those who mourn over their sins, for they should be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they should inherit the earth. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Uh, for they shall see God. These are the people who see their need for God. Who's ready to receive the invitation? Those who are thirsty and hungry for the Lord. Those who see their need for the Lord. And also those who are ready to go to work. That is definitely stated in, in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30. That's what Jesus is talking about when he said, Take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke. There's no other way of understanding that. A yoke was used, it's this contraption that's used to link uh, two oxen together so that they can go to work in the field. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. You're not ready to receive the invitation from God until you're ready to go to work. Uh, Matthew 21, 28, uh, the Lord says, go into my vineyard and work. It's very clear that the church is a vineyard. In the vineyard, in the vineyard of the Lord we sing. It's a place of work and service. I'm a little concerned that as we teach our little ones and guide them to being a Christian, we, we focus, it certainly is right to focus on the steps to salvation. To hearing, believing, repenting, confessing. And being baptized into Christ. No doubt, plainly taught in Scripture. 
But also, let's not forget about, we mentioned this morning, the conviction of sin. Conviction of sin. Those folks on the day of Pentecost, they were convicted of their sin. They were pricked in the heart, cut to the heart. What they had heard from Peter meant that they were guilty before the Lord. What do we do about this? A little child has not an idea. A child does not have an idea about being convicted of sin. It's not their fault. It, it, they're not ready. They're not ready. Obeying the Lord is an adult decision. It can be a young adult decision. But it's certainly not a child's decision. And on top of that, remember just a moment ago we were mentioning how that as we come into Christ, then we've got to be ready to love. Again, a child doesn't understand that. We, we're having a hard time. We, even as, as big people, we have a hard time understanding what it all means to love like God loves. And then on top of that, as you come into Christ, you've got to be ready to work. Got to be ready to work. And so that's one thing that is answered here. Who's ready? Well, those who are thirsty, those who see their need uh, for the Lord, and then, of course, um, those who are ready to work. Now, our final part of our discussion, just a few observations about the great invitation. Who is it that does the inviting? Who is it that does the We know that Jesus, the Savior, invites. That's what he's doing there in Matthew 11, 28. It's a wonderful thought. Wonderful thought. We turn in your Bibles over to Revelation 3 for a second. But as you do, think about these thoughts. Jesus is inviting us to be part of his fold, to be part of his sheepfold, to become one of his sheep. Jesus is inviting us to become a member of his body and to work in unison with others who are members of that body. Jesus is inviting us to become part of his family as his father uh, becomes our father. We're all the children of God by faith, Galatians 3.26. For as many of us as were baptized into Christ did put on Christ. Jesus invites us to become part of his family. Okay. Jesus invites us to become part of his very presence. He promises that he will never leave, nor, leave us nor forsake us, Hebrews 13.5 uh, and 6. But as you look over to Revelation chapter 3, The invitation of Jesus goes all the way to the very throne of God. Look at Revelation 3, verse 21. The Lord says, He that overcometh, I will give to him to sit down with me at my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my Father in his throne. Jesus does the inviting. But also... Revelation twenty two seventeen says the Spirit invites. The Spirit invites. And there are a lot of things we could say about that. But Jesus promised the apostles that the Holy Spirit would come upon them, John 16, 13, and guide them into all the truth. And so in Acts chapter 2, when Peter is uh, giving his lesson, when he is preaching, when he's teaching, then that is the Spirit inviting as well. We mentioned this morning Acts 2 and verse 40. With many other words did Peter exhort and testify saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. That's the Spirit inviting. 
through Peter there. And the, and the Spirit still invites us uh, even today. But also Revelation twenty two seventeen says, The Spirit and the Bride say come. The Bride is the church. That's me and you. We invite as well. Just like when Philip, John 1, uh, 43 to 46, when, when um, Philip went and got Nathaniel and said, we have found him. Nathaniel said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said, come and see. Come and see. Just like the Samaritan woman of John 4 went back to her village and said, come see a man who told me everything I've ever done in my life. Come see this man. So we, we must take it personally as the bride of Christ and we must invite as well. That's what the Lord expects from us. Second Timothy 2 verse 2, the things which we have heard from among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Acts 8 and verse 4, the early church was scattered abroad and they went everywhere uh, preaching and teaching uh, the word. We mentioned in our uh, youth class this morning how that when you come into Christ, you, you put on Christ. You put on humility. You put on everything there is about Christ. And that's what these early disciples did. They put on the teaching of Christ. They put on the love of Christ. And they went everywhere teaching the word. They were inviting people to come home uh, to the Lord. We must do the same. You say, well, are people, do they still long for that? I was talking to our brother Kyle Butt this week. And he and I were talking about a lot of things, catching up on, on a lot of things. And he mentioned something to me. Their best-selling book year from year to year is this book right here. It's called Dinosaurs Unleashed at Apologetics Press. They're, from year to year, for several years, they sell about a thousand of these a year. Dinosaurs Unleashed. Okay. But he said something has happened this past year. You know, they came out with this new Defending the Faith Study Bible. Okay. He said they printed out 22,000 of these. This year, hold on to yourself. This year they have sold 18,000 of these study Bibles. 18,000 of the 22,000. He says it's been unbelievable, the response. That shows us that people are still thirsty for the Lord. And we must be out inviting. Thank you for being part of these few observations about, first, the greatness of the Lord. But then especially the great invitation of our Lord. All the time, every day, 24 hours a day, the Lord invites us to come home. And even at this special time, this evening, Sunday evening, if you need to come home to the Lord, if you need to put Him on in baptism, if you need to just come back and rededicate yourself to doing His will, bringing others to Him, then we invite you to do that right now as we stand together, as we sing.